0: Today we're continuing the sermon series we started several weeks ago called Then and Now. And we're going to be dealing with um, our church's history, but more importantly, I think our church's vision, where we're going. And as I have said each week, we hope this, uh, this sermon series will be both informative and inspirational, especially to those of you who are members here. And to those of you who are visiting with us, we hope that this will be invitational, that you will hear us say loudly and clearly, we need you, we want you, we want you to be a part of this church's proclamation of loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. I do want to say we started this series talking about our first pastor, first full-time pastor, Tom Shipp, and, and how he is an orphan boy, heard in his ears ringing, it's not your table, It's the Lord's table, and at this table, all are welcome. Today, we're going to be centering on God's grace for all through the waters of baptism. Now, I mentioned last week I was all worked up, right, and that I was going to start blogging, right? Well, it happened. My first blog went out. And it's on Facebook, I'm told. And you can go there and it's going to be easier to access, so on and so forth. And 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 I want to be talking about something that I don't want sneaking up on us. And I think it's my responsibility that it doesn't. And we need to know in United Methodism, internationally, there's quite a conversation going on that could very well lead to a division within our denomination. It's a complex issue, and succinctly stated, this issue has been going on for many years, but there is a tug from the far left, and there is a tug from the far right that is tugging at the center of our denomination. And you know, it, it, it must feel a lot like it felt back in 1844, One hundred years before Lover's Lane was started in 1944, the church had its first major split. The Methodist denomination broke into the Methodist Episcopal Church and the Methodist Episcopal Church South. There were lots of, 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 of issues swirling around. I could go into that, but the main issue, of course, was what? Slavery. And, of course, 15 years later, a civil war. Today, the complex issue that we face today mirrors a lot of what's going on in the country, and yet... Here in the United Methodist Church, we struggle too with the issues related to human sexuality and more specifically, homosexuality related to, is it incompatible with Christian teaching as we state in the discipline and issues of marriage and ordination. Now some of you are saying, I didn't want to come to church today for this, but we need to think in terms of who we are as a church, and perhaps the larger message that we have to share with a denomination that's struggling for direction. So enjoy! (laughs) Division and conflict has been part of the Christian church since the very beginning of the church. If it weren't for conflict and division, we wouldn't have a Bible. We certainly wouldn't have a New Testament, for nearly every pastoral letter that Paul wrote was dealing with some kind of division, some sort of conflict. He wrote the Corinthians. I won't go into that today, but there were issues there that was dividing the church in Corinth, and he addressed it. And then there were issues in Galatia that we're going to read about today that he addresses that were issues that were extremely divisive. Now, I want to say up front that Martin Luther passed on a word of wisdom that we need to hear, and we need to hear it very uh, loudly and clearly. Martin Luther said, when God builds a church, the devil builds a chapel. In other words, what What Martin Luther was getting across is is that there is something about the deceiver that wants to bring in division and conflict into the midst of the church that God is building. And it's been that way since the beginning. Because God is building a church, and God will build a church, no matter what kinds of chapels the deceiver tries to erect. I want to remind us today that the letter to the Galatians is a letter uh, that, that is very angry. It's brief, but it's full of Paul's frustration and his anger. In fact, we're thankful for the letter to the Galatians because Paul was so uh, upset when he wrote the book, uh, uh, the letter to the Galatians, that the seeds of Romans are planted in the letter here. And, and so Paul, in a little bit more calmer state, writes the great epistle to the Romans But all of the seeds are right here. You see, Paul knew that the gospel was under attack. That there there were those who wanted to dismiss the gospel by saying that if you're going to come to Christ, you have to come under the law. In other words, you men, you have to be circumcised and you have to obey all the Levitical law. You have to be Jewish first before you can be Christian. That meant that for many of the Gentiles, uh, thinking about Christianity would be kind of out of the question because this would be completely different from what they had been told by the Apostle Paul. That it's God's grace that brings us. It's the law that really causes us to be convicted and guilty. And it's God's grace that is about forgiveness and God's love. And so Paul centers on this this grace that he wants to uplift. And he, he, he says that the law only approach is a law that does not work the bible story is about god's grace from the gospels into his letters it's the same message of god's grace take a deep breath everybody you know i remember several years ago that we ran a social media campaign and it was it was called com. and you may remember it, it as 10 years plus ago. And we had these billboards and we had ads in magazines, and we'd feature the face of one of our members and com under a little caption. And you go to that website and you could read that story. And we put Peter Weato's story up on Interstate 35. People clicked on that story and they read that powerful story. I'm not going to go into it. But Liberian people started coming in great numbers and other people from Africa because of what that story said about our acceptance here and Heart of Africa was born and then the Zimbabwean Fellowship followed and came here. We featured Mary Kay Hudspeth and John and David French They told their story, and deaf people started coming to Lover's Lane in greater numbers than ever before, and our deaf ministry was formed. And we featured families with special needs children, and these families started coming in greater number, and and what was just a little Sunday morning Guiding Lights program grew into Rays of Light, which has been such a blessing to this church. And we told the story of a former offender, and former offenders came uh, our way in numbers. We have led 8,500 men and women in prison to Christ, and guess what? When they get out, they know they're welcome here, and some of them come. They may not stay, but they come to say thank you for the grace we featured. One layman who's been a member here a long time who was gay, he didn't go into sexuality much, but he told the story about how church had been an experience that was not friendly to him and not welcoming to him. And then he found Lover's Lane and the doors were open and it changed his role in the church. And gay and lesbian people started showing up here in greater numbers. I had a small group of men approach one of our associate pastors requesting to move their Bible study that had outgrown the living room where they were meeting uh, to the church. "What am I to do?" the associate said. And I said, "Tell them I want to go to lunch." They told me that their Bible study that had been meeting for years, their Bible study that had been meeting for years, had outgrown its place. They told me that most of them were kind of like church refugees, that they had come from mostly conservative denominations where they either got kicked out or made to feel unwelcome, and they had gravitated to this small home group, in essence, that was a Bible study, and and they wondered if they could move the Bible study to Lover's Lane. And I asked them, well, why not another church that is a reconciling church that is obviously affirming of your sexuality, or, or maybe another church, Cathedral of Hope. Or I, I brought up these options, and they said, No, we, we love Lover's Lane's mission. Loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ is exactly what our Bible study is about. We're loving people into relationship with Jesus. So, what would you have done? I'm telling you, sometimes it's lonely being the pastor because there's decisions you just have to make. I said, come on. And that Bible study grew. And I thank you for that. It's becoming an epidemic. But I realize there are some who don't want to clap. And that's okay too. That's part of my message. Okay? Some of those men wanted to join the church. And you, you, you didn't sneak into the church back then. We had a class. You had to go through four weeks of a class. And then Donna had to interview you. We had Donna was our chief interviewer because... She's the best talker we have on on staff. And we started asking to hear these stories and we heard these stories and some of them were just gut-wrenching and at the same time uplifting because of the grace that they'd found here. Lots of tears. Stories about being ostracized and condemned. And all of a sudden, I found our church being full of refugees that were coming from war torn countries or financially strapped countries, and they were coming here from African nations. And I also started hearing the story of what I'm going to call church refugees that needed a place where they could be loved. And then they wanted to join the church and be baptized. And we saw our our profession of faith commitments go up to 70% the last several years, 70% nearly. 70% of our new members come by profession of faith. I have never talked to a Methodist preacher with that testimony. What would you have done? Some of my conservative friends, now I need to admit, that's my tribe. I I used to say I was evangelical. And then evangelical just kind of became a political term. Evangelical meant you voted a certain way and you believed a certain way and you were evangelical. Well, that didn't fit me. So I started calling myself a Wesleyan evangelical. That felt softer. And that doesn't seem to fit anymore either. So I don't know who I am. But I remember telling a a bishop one time who was questioning the fact that I was mentored by one of our more conservative pastors whom I love, love, love. And I said, I don't know if I'm an evangelical. I call myself an evangelical, but I know this. I think the main thing is bringing people into relationship with Jesus Christ and being involved in the world in relevant ways to make sure the welcome of the church is heard by everyone. I didn't really want to come here, so I didn't care what he thought about it, but... You know, we need to realize this church's testimony. People came as early as 1945 who were alcoholics, and people left the church because of it, saying, I don't want to be a part of First Alcoholic Church of Dallas. I'm out of here. But other people came. African-American woman joined the church in 1961, Miss Bernice Jones, People left the church. We don't want to be a part of a church that's allowing those people in. But the pastor made a decision. And people came because of the welcome. Friends, in 1996, right over here at this baptismal font, There was a gay couple who came to the pastor at that time, Dr. Brian, and asked to have a baptism. And the most appropriate day was was Christmas Eve because all their family would be here. And that baptism took place right there. And it was controversial. You can read about it even today. Google D Magazine. But one of those men had been baptized by Dr. Don Benton. He'd come to faith in this church and was baptized in the waters of this church. So Dr. Bryan had to make a decision, didn't he? Do we offer grace to all, including these two babies? And he said, yes. People left the church. But others came. I remember a con- controversy in our own Wesley Prep school when two mommies wanted their son to be part of the church. The school, second grader. When some of the board members heard about it, it kind of created a little friction. So the director and board chairman came to me. Sometimes, You just have to make a decision." And I said, of course that child should be in this school and I'll stand beside you. Two board members quit. One member of the church left the church. But have you seen our school lately? And it's always a fear, you know. If you let them in, then they're just going to keep coming from everywhere because they're all over the place and they'll keep coming and keep coming and they'll take over the school. I've heard that on so many topics. I've got a word for that and I'm not going to say it in church. (laughs) But back to our denomination. Every time we have voted since 1972, when we put too many words in the discipline, every time we have voted, it's been controversial. And and this church has been declining, getting smaller and smaller and smaller since 1972. Never has there been a year of growth. Never in the United Methodist Church since 1972. When we decided we were going to put more words in the discipline. And you know, one reason for the controversy is that the church is growing, it's growing in Africa. And in Africa this issue is a very different issue and the culture is a very different culture than it is here in the United States. And so as long as the delegates are coming more from conservative areas then then this issue and the vote on this issue is likely not to change. And so the frustration on the left and the right has been brewing so that there's this tug at the center and we may split as a denomination over sexuality. Just like the Presbyterians, just like the Episcopalians. What does that say to a world in need? We've come to bow at the altar of this culture, which is an altar of division over moralistic issues. I like a church like Lover's Lane where there are conservative people and liberal people, where there are all walks of life, where we are here for whatever reason. Some of you are here because you're an alcoholic and you're very, very conservative and you don't even like what I'm saying, but you said, hey, they opened the door for me. And some of you are here and you may wonder what, who cares about the United Methodist Church, but, but you were a prisoner we visited you i think there is something to be said for unity in the in the midst of differences I think there is something important to say when we can say we don't all have to believe alike, we don't all have to vote alike, we don't all have to look alike, we don't all have to share the same opinions, but we do have to love alike. We have to love like Jesus and we can stay united realizing that there's room for all. I don't leave the country when my guy doesn't get in the office of presidency I'm worked up. (laughs) You know that member that I mentioned to you that was burned and beaten? He's here every Sunday with his husband and they're two little boys. I was in Thrive. Now Thrive is our family service. We started Thrive for it to be more family oriented than crosswalk. They go to Thrive. And I was there the day that their boys were baptized. And their family was sitting there with them. their family that had worked through all of these issues and you know when it becomes a family issue it's a different issue isn't it And, and the family was there saying we love our family we don't understand even our own family but we're here we love our family and we really love those grandchildren and when those two boys were baptized you know what the church said you know what Thrive said on your behalf With God's help, that's key. We will so order our lives after the example of Christ that these children, surrounded by steadfast love, will be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. And there was a party afterwards. Think about 20 years plus ago with this baptismal font. And think about in the family service with a different generation. They threw a party. You know, all I could say is what on ever caused the, the guy who was burned and beaten and told by his pastor that he needed to change and it was his fault, what on earth caused him to come to church again? Ever? Ever. This church's welcome caused him to give it another chance. I just want to ask you a question. If you weren't there in that service that day, would you take that vow to nurture those boys? In the way that leads to life eternal? Would you say that vow? Would you? Would you have gone to the party? Some of you would and some of you wouldn't. And that's okay. We're all working through these matters in our country and our church together. And it's okay. But we have to stand united in our mission. You know, if we have, as we have seen baptisms increase in our garden, and we've seen people coming into the waters of baptism, it's all the same water. We don't drain the water when white people get out of it so black people can get in it. We don't drain the water when someone who's deaf is going to get in it after someone who's hearing. We don't drain the water because of age. We don't drain Drain the water because of sexuality. And I have seen African people and LGBT people getting into the same water at the same time. You know what the African pastors say? God bless them, they've taught me more than I could ever tell you. They've said, we may not agree exactly the way a lot of people here at Lovers Lane believe, But when we needed a place, this church opened its door to us. When we wanted church, this, this church listened to our story. And it's all about the mission. We buy into the mission. Because we are part of that all that you've loved into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're in. Now think about what that would mean on the national level, on the the general church level of our church. If we had that sort of understanding, that in Christ, only in Christ, only in Christ beyond our own beliefs, beyond our own understandings, only in Christ are we called to unity. Where there's no Greek or Jew, slave or free, male or female, so on and so forth, Jesus is who unites us. Friends, as long as we are a church driven by a mission and a vision to be one diverse community passionately engaging the Bible, uplifting Jesus in worship and loving service and challenging in love, Love Christ, that which divides. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay.